a bad luck waitress gets dumped by her boyfriend right before Christmas and decides to kidnap another guy to pose as her new boyfriend in hopes of not disappointing her parents. We watched the 2007 ABC family movie Holiday in Handcuffs on this month's Christmas episode of Bottom of the Barrel. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bottom of the Barrel. I am your host as always Jeff Bell and if you've been keeping track you noticed that last week we should have had an episode for Bottom of the Barrel. However, things are kind of crazy right now with Ghost Hat Network and there's a handful of new shows that are in development and sadly Bottom of the Barrel had to go from what was originally going to be planned to uh, be a every couple weeks show to now a once a month show. Uh, if there's a demand for it, it'll go back to more, but uh, right now we feel like, uh, just to try to keep this a little more original and not so boring, we're just going to do this show once a month now. And this is the month of December's episode. It was actually kind of hard trying to find a good, bad Christmas movie. Uh, I know there's a handful out there that I probably could have done, but frankly, this one was probably one of the few that was bad still a little good because I feel really bad about trying to find a terrible Christmas movie to watch um, it was okay but it's so so ridiculous and uh, well let's just right get into uh, the, the episode review and then we'll talk more about it after we're done so here we go the movie begins with Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All pulling up to A.C. Slater from Say by the Bell and telling him to get back into the car because it's too far to walk to the nearest gas station. He reluctantly gets into the vehicle because, honestly, why wouldn't a 90s teen actor not want to get into another 90s teen actor's car these days, right? They drive off and we cut to 36 hours earlier where Clarissa is preparing for a job interview and holiday to get together with her dad, played by George W. Bush, and mom, played by Christine Sullivan from Night Court. Obviously, the 90s teen actor would have an 80s teen actor as her mom. I mean, why not, right? So after some character development and crazy hijinks regarding leaving her hair in curlers for too long, she tries making her way to the interview where, while trying to be nice, accidentally causes a car accident, ultimately being the blame. Then, finally making it to the interview, it turns out she's late and the boss has already taken the next interviewer on the list. I'm not sure what this company is or, or does, but all of its employees are very over the top in their dialogue and actions. Kind of wonder if the writer has actually been in a real life office building at any point or, or is simply going off of what she saw on television. They deny her the interview, she's sad, and goes back to her normal job as, what else, a waitress. Boy, she's really fitting the cliché. While at work, she explains everything about the rest of her backstory to her waitress friend, all while serving food to customers. Yeah, that's some great waitressing there. And to top it all off, her big-time bank owner, rich boyfriend who was supposed to go with her to her parents' Christmas, shows up and dumps her in front of everyone, acting in the pompous, arrogant, cliché guy way. Honestly, Ryder has probably never left the house. Clarissa goes into a trance, replaying everything for the first five minutes of the film in her head when Slater shows up and orders some food. He's preparing to propose to someone. Yeah, at a small dive of a diner. He sure knows romance. But no worries, because as he gets up to go to the bathroom, Clarissa holds him at gunpoint and basically kidnaps him to take with her to her parents. While walking out back, he slips, falls, and gets knocked out unconscious long enough for her to somehow drag him into her car and tie him up. Keep in mind, no one saw her do this. Back inside the diner, which I just realized Clarissa showed up to work for 10 minutes and then left to leave. Why she showed up in the first place, you got me. Shortest shift ever. 
Slater's girlfriend shows up to find him and acts like yet another rich, pompous ass to the other waitress. I'm starting to think the writer might have only had a single interaction with a person in her real life, and it was with a ridiculously spoiled rich person, and that's what she's going off of for everything in this story. So Clarissa realizes she's low on gas and decides to pull off at the cliche old general store looking place. While there, the old man caretaker offers to pump her gas for her. It's not an innuendo, but she sees what's <laughs> that's not an innuendo, but sees Slater tied up inside. She tells the caretaker that she's taking her boyfriend up north for a kinky weekend, and just when it looks like he's going to call the cops on her, brings out a set of furry handcuffs to give her on the house. What kind of gas station is this? Arriving at her parents' rented log cabin, she forewarns her parents that Slater will joke about being kidnapped when he's nervous. The parents reluctantly agree. This is what happens when TV personalities get together, I'm pretty sure. And even though he seriously tells them she kidnapped him, they laugh it off and go about their business. The rest of the family shows up and immediately buys into the whole Slater joking about being kidnapped. Seriously, what is wrong with this whole family? After everyone goes to sleep, Clarissa warns Slater that there's no way out of the house because she's the key master this year, a tradition in the family where one person watches the keys and cell phones to prevent distraction from being with the rest of the family. A little while later, he starts to look for the keys, and after 15 seconds of doing so, he immediately gives up and starts to walk to the gas station instead, where we come back to the beginning of the film. Wow, that's the fastest in one of these movies that they've cycled back to the beginning like that. Slater finds out that Clarissa still has her phone and demands to have it from her, but instead of hiding it somewhere, she smashes it with a meat tenderizer. She's a waitress, with little money, and she just smashed her phone. Okay. When Clarissa's mom realizes she's out of olive oil, and royally freaks out about it, her dad and Slater drive back to the general store to buy some. Inside the store, Slater tries to convince the old man he's been kidnapped, but Clarissa's foolproof story from earlier is still working and he laughs it off. Until Slater gets forceful, that is, then the old man pulls a shotgun out and threatens him with it. Okay, it's not the entire family, it's everyone in this movie. What is wrong with everyone? Back at the house, Slater rips his pants, Clarissa's brother offers up some new clothes, and in the process of getting them, he spots the brother's cell phone. He borrows it, and is finally able to get a hold of his girlfriend who's mad that he stood her up at the diner. He tells her that he was going to propose to her, but got kidnapped, and finally, someone believes him. Clarissa catches him on the phone, and he hangs up, giving it to her. She takes it, and promptly flushes it down the toilet. Um, that was not your phone. And holy crap, she is ridiculously wasteful. Slater, now happy that his girlfriend knows he's been kidnapped, says he's going to play along with the charade until they find him. Even though he only told her that he's a few hours outside of the city, no direction, no exact time, just a cabin in the woods to his flaky rich girlfriend. Yeah, that's gonna go over well. So now playing along, the family openly insults Clarissa in front of him, telling very embarrassing stories about her, letting him do things that's always been a tradition for her to do, and more. She storms off and tells Slater that she realizes her family likes him more than her. Cliché. Later, after everyone goes to bed, the two stay up writing the traditional letter to Santa while drinking some wine. It becomes the sentimental moment in the film where she admits she wishes she would stop disappointing her parents, and Slater conveys some non-hatred towards her. Oh, he likes her. Kind of. Honestly, I, I don't know. The, the way everyone acts in this film, it's hard to say what they're feeling. 
So Slater's girlfriend goes to the police department on Christmas Eve where everyone is celebrating and not doing their job and reports the kidnapping. It apparently took her six plus hours to get ready and drive across town to the police. She probably got distracted by a sale or something that rich pompous people do. The next morning, Clarissa and Slater go off together and have more personal moments where they reveal more backstory and slowly fall in love with one another, you know, the cliché stuff. But back at the diner, Slater's girlfriend shows up with the police, asking the owner if he knows the waitress that kidnapped him. Wow. So, they all went home and had a full night's rest before starting the investigation? But never mind, because back at the cabin, the family sit around opening awkward presents that they don't really want when Clarissa gets into an argument with her dad about her life, saying she doesn't want to work in an office, but rather do her paintings. In the midst of the argument, Slater stands up for her about the paintings and, to top it off, proposes to her in front of them, saying he might as well give them what they want for at least a few more hours. Yeah, that's gonna get awkward later when, you know, the police show up and arrest her and everything. Huh. Meanwhile, out in the garage, Clarissa's brother sits drinking alone, contemplating telling everyone that he's now gay. Most eventful Christmas ever. When their grandma finds her keys and is in the process of leaving, then Slater jumps in to stop her. She crashes her car into the woods and is fine. So, forget that scene, I guess. Slater's girlfriend and cops show up at Clarissa's friend's house and interrogate her about the whereabouts of the cabin. Back at the cabin, that scene was short, Clarissa and Slater are now at 75% in their gonna be together scale as they both get ready for dinner. He asks her to come outside to the man-made skating rink in the backyard where he makes her put skates on and do a skating routine she hasn't done since she was little and as a completely different professional skater. It's like they don't even try to hide it. Now at dinner, holy crap does everything go to hell. Clarissa's sister admits she dropped out of law school to open a Pilates studio in California, the brother admits he's gay, and the parents start revealing their true feelings about one another and how much they hate the way the other acts. It doesn't look like it could get any worse when, oh that's right, the police arrive, and then break into the house to reveal Clarissa having kidnapped Slater. The entire family ends up in jail temporarily, but is released when Slater does not press charges. Cut to two months later on Valentine's Day, Clarissa is still searching for a job, not sure how she's been supporting herself for the last couple months. Meanwhile, Slater is having second thoughts on the marriage to his girlfriend. A few days later, Clarissa is accepted to having a painting displayed in a gallery. There, her parents show up and tell her how they accept whatever she wants to do. Well, those loose ends are tied up nicely, aren't they? Someone buys Clarissa's painting of the ice skating rink, gee I wonder who that was, and on her way back to her car she gets kidnapped by Slater and taken to his newly opened architectural firm slash gallery thing where he kisses her and says he wants her and cliche love story ending and blah 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 and the end. Cliche crazy family holidays. Yeah. That movie was very interesting. It is a melting pot of former television stars all coming together to be on a single made-for-TV movie. The premise is kind of weird. I mean, the whole concept that this girl basically has a mental breakdown and decides, you know what? To make my parents happy, I'm just going to kidnap a boyfriend instead of actually having one. And then the fact that he actually falls in love with her is just weird. 
I don't think that's how it works in the real life. I mean, I know it's a movie. I know you're supposed to suspend disbelief and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, really, he kidnaps her. And the fact that she kidnaps him and, and, and the fact that she's able to fake a story and make everyone believe her just shows either A, she's a ridiculously good liar, or B, everybody in this world is just stupid and does not have any common sense to it. I mean, the fact that it's it was it was Slater's girlfriend that actually finally believed that he was kidnapped and that it it took him saying I was going to propose to you to make her even believe it because she was just assuming he ditched her and it's it's I I don't understand the logic behind this movie and why this would even remotely work except for it being uh, one of these types of movies and and um oh my goodness it's just the movie is a weird just weird situation and then they randomly throw in a couple moments of like like feelings and then there's feelings there and then it goes back to being crazy and then oh yeah okay he falls for her and you kind of you kind of know that's going to happen in one of these stories you know it's not going to just end with him being like no I'm pressing charges or not even him being just like, no, I'm not going to press charges. You know, thank you. I'm sorry. It had to happen this way. And then him going off and being happy and her being miserable. You know, it's not going to end like that either. You know, from the get go that those two are going to be together. They try to like psych you out a little bit by being like, oh no, you know, they're not going to end up on Christmas because part of you almost kind of expects it to be that when the cops bust in, he's going to be like, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't press charges. I, I love her now. I don't love you. Even though three days ago I was going to love you. I was loving you enough to propose to you, but, but, but now I want to be with her. At least they don't do that. It could have, it could have easily done that. This movie would have been 10 minutes shorter, but as it is, the movie's only like an hour and hour and 20 minutes or something like that it's a really kind of short movie but i mean it would have been on television so it probably came out to being like a two-hour film but it's it's it moves really quickly and oh there's so many just there's so much wrong with this movie first off okay it's supposed to take place it, it never says where it takes place at but you watch the movie all the license plates are wisconsin the city uh, the, the police station that she goes into is the Madison Police Department. Okay, if you've ever been to Madison, that is not Madison. <laughs> there's no way... It, it, there's a final, like, crane shot <laughs> that it pulls away at the end of the movie that shows the city. That city is, A, gigantic, and B, not Madison at all. I'm, I there The skyline, that there's... No, that's not Madison. There's no capital. Where those tall buildings are, there would have been a capital building. And they didn't even, like, try to fake it and, like, digitally insert it. Which, you can't say, oh, this movie just didn't have any special effects. There is a special effect. Because, and that last shot, as the camera pulls away, it's supposed to be showing the outside of the room they were in. And they are obviously digitally inserted into that shot. There's no way that that's real. It's It's been enhanced some way. So they could have at least faked a capitol building if they were going to the extent of saying that this movie takes place outside of madison wisconsin they could have at least put a capitol building in there even if they just faked it and put it in the background it still at least i'd have been like okay well they at least tried (laughs) but 
oh no so this movie is just this movie is just weird it is very cliche you know how it's going to end in the first five minutes you don't expect anything different they do try to you know throw you for a little bit of a loop because the entire movie takes place a few days around christmas and it's called you know holiday in handcuffs and you're like oh the whole thing's gonna be wrapped up in like those two or three days but the fact that they actually extend the ending out a couple months i will give the writer credit and for actually attempting to to give their relationship a little more time to kind of process in their head instead of it just being that yeah these two complete strangers completely fell in love in three days and then ended up together at least it was like well they had three crazy days together and then a couple months later they had all realized how much they did actually enjoy themselves and they went with it at least there's that at least there was some kind of building but oh god this movie's just so wrong in so many ways and i really hope people don't watch these movies expecting this to be real life because the characters are all like two-dimensional stereotypes every rich person in this movie is played off as being this ridiculously cliche, pompous, rich person. Just, just well, obviously, like like Clarissa's boyfriend in the beginning. And I call her Clarissa. If you don't know why I call Melissa Joan Hart Clarissa, you're not a child of the 90s, but that's why I call her. It's a TV show, and that's why I call, you know, Mario Lopez Slater. Again, do your research if you don't know who I, why I'm referring to these people as this, but just Google it. You'll know why. But the like like her boyfriend in the beginning of the movie, it basically when he dumps her, he's like, like or like she, she's like, well, but you said you were gonna come to Christmas with me, and he's just like, well, yeah, I told you that because I figured that's what you wanted to hear. I mean, we haven't had sex yet, and that's why. Like he just came across as that cliche pompous douche. That's just it's like, well, I told you what you wanted to hear, so I could do ya. Like it just, and he does it in front of an entire diner of patrons everyone's watching and it comes and they they play it off as like she's the bad guy and it's just what that doesn't happen that no what it's it's oh it's it's almost annoying how bad it is and how stereotypical it is and it it shouldn't be that way but whatever you know i guess it's entertainment (laughs) i guess this was entertainment the movie was on like i said it was on abc family in 2007 uh not a lot of trivia about the film just that it's yeah, it's it. There's and there's a lot of people from television shows in it. I mean, uh, Melissa Joan Hart is from Clarissa and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mario Lopez, who's on like what one of the celebrity news channels now, like E or something like that, and also was from Saved by the Bell. Uh, their uh, Clarissa's mom was on uh, Night Court. Her dad is the guy who played Bush. Uh, that's my Bush. Um, and has done it in a couple other movies. And then the grandma was actually on Lost in Space back in the day. Like, it's all television personalities <laughs> in this movie and, and and actors. And it's just, it's weird to see them all come together, but they all play that cliche television-esque acting. Anyways, doesn't matter. So let's get on with the drinking rules. This week, there's actually only, or not this week, this month, I suppose, is there only five drinking rules plus a sixth bonus one. It was honestly kind of hard to find something that you could play the drinking game along with this week so but uh, hopefully you can enjoy these five plus that sixth bonus one so uh here's the rules for this week number one every time a character turns out to be an over-the-top pompous rich person just drink number two when clarissa destroys a cell phone instead of simply hiding it number three when slater tells someone he's been kidnapped and they don't believe him Number four, 
every time Slater and Clarissa make lovey-dovey eyes at one another. Uh, they do it a couple times in the movie. <laughs> Number five, every time Grandma says she was on Broadway once. And the sixth bonus drinking rule, it's for Wisconsin people only, when they show Madison, but it is obviously in no way Madison. So that's it. That's the rules for this week, or this month. I keep doing that. Um, and that's pretty much the end of this episode. And like I said, these are going to be monthly now just because it's really hard to try to find good, bad movies and to try to keep up with everything else that's going on right now. But definitely, if you find a movie that you would like us to review, please don't hesitate to write comments either on iTunes or write them on the website, ghosthat.net. You'll find the podcast there. You can leave comments there or email us. Get a hold of us if you find movies you want because we always can... Uh, be always helpful to watch more and to have more people who, who who have some ideas so but other than that hope you guys have a great christmas and a great holidays and a great new year we will see you back here next month for another episode of bottom of the barrel thank you guys we'll see you later bye-bye i mean seriously she just she's a she's a waitress and she just wastes stuff She's not a waitress. She's a waste trip. That doesn't make sense. That's a bad joke. Sorry. Merry Christmas. For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.ghosthat.net.